Hi everybody, welcome to another interview of our podcast, Part of Me. I'm here with another guest interviewee who is just going to introduce herself just now. So hello guest. Hello, my name's Ashley Ritchie. Nice to meet you all. Nice to meet you too, Ashley. Can you tell us a bit about what you do? I can indeed. Um, I'm a dancer and I'm also, I also deliver equality and diversity and disability training alongside um, job carving and talk about reasonable adjustment. Okay, do you mind telling me, I mean that all sounds really, really interesting and I want you to unpack all of that, but do you mind just starting telling us what job carving is? Job carving is where you actually identify, so if a disabled person comes for a job, you might identify things that they might bring to the business to make it stronger. Yeah. But actually, job carving is easier than making some reasonable adjustments, because reasonable adjustments can upset a lot of your other staff in that they might think the disabled person is getting like favoritism and that could cause bullying in the workplace but what job carving is is that you might take bits of other people's jobs that actually take up a lot of time for them other people to do and actually carve out a job for the disabled person that brings out their strength that sounds absolutely brilliant actually is that a new initiative or has it been around a long time um, it's been around a little while, but not a lot of people know about it because mm. it, because in um, in the Equality Act 2010, it talks more about reasonable adjustment. Yeah. And reasonable adjustment is just taking out, you know, just taking out the bits of the job that a disabled person can't do. But often, like I say, that causes, you know bullying in the workplace really because they think that the disabled person's getting paid exactly the same amount of money and doing less yeah 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 no i mean this sounds really really good is it is there somewhere where people can find out more about it uh yes you can um you can google it or um there's there's i have a youtube channel um that's a positive um it's just a positive channel about everything that I've achieved Excellent. And, and it talks about there's a video that talks about job carving in a very simple way okay. but it actually then tells businesses that actually if they want to learn more I would actually go in and work with the company Brilliant. Um, not to do not to do a training session necessarily but kind of work with the bosses to show them how the process works yeah no that sounds good so at the end of the podcast i'll ask you again about your youtube channel so that anyone that wants to go and see it can go and have a look and find out more and maybe contact you as a result that's great can you tell us a bit i mean you said that you're a dancer as well that sounds great can you tell us a bit more about that yes i am a dancer i am my original training was um was performing arts and that incorporated dance okay but that was back when i was 16 and i'm 38 now so back then the equality act didn't exist and um you know people were very close-minded about disability i don't want to say there was a lot of discrimination that went on i just don't think that people were very well educated back then yeah absolutely so so i kind of went into a field where it was a big no-no there wasn't a lot of disabled people around and for all i got the qualifications and they were quite happy for me to be there there was elements of the course that they just said 
actually you've trained in the wrong field and we don't want, you know, you can't come into the, the dance class because we want you to be with disabled people. Well, I did, because it fits around better what you can do. I didn't wow. really want that, so I refused to do that. Then um, when I'd been told that I'd trained in the wrong field, cause said you won't get a job unless somebody wants to actually... Um, see a disabled person on television you know what I mean you won't yeah. there won't be as much scope for you as somebody else who's able-bodied so that really put me off yeah so then I decided to go and um, go down the teaching route so that I hadn't wasted kind of the skills that I'd gained and I went and did some teaching with seven-year-olds okay. and they just absolutely adored me and I thought it was going really well. I'd been there for six weeks and everything was just totally amazing but on my half and the ch children seemed to really love the fact that I was in a chair. They were asking loads of questions and things like that and then I was called to the head's office and she just said, um, I'm sorry you're a fire hazard and we can't have you here anymore. Oh um, God. And I, and I honestly believe that that would be like that the whole of my life and I just I was devastated at the fact that I'm a twin and I my twins able-bodied and I was always brought up the same way there so the fact that I thought that I would get a job the same as her and then I was discriminated against mm. I was really upset about that um, and it took me two years to build confidence to go back into the workplace and I decided to um, go to a disabled school and do some work a work placement. Yeah, I was um I was there for three weeks and then I was employed. And I actually took within the first year I took promotion as a sound therapist, and I was trained on the job and I was there for ten years. So it worked out really really well. But the first part of my uh, you know getting into the workplace was really really quite traumatic for me. And um so when I when I actually decided to go down the equality route and do some um, equality training, I did that because I felt like it was needed and I didn't want anybody else to face what I'd faced because actually I did figure out that people, knowledge is power and if people mm. don't have the knowledge, then how can they make it all right for people? Yeah. And, it, you know, if they don't have the knowledge, where do they get the knowledge from? And the knowledge comes from people like you and I, you know, because it, there isn't a textbook that knows what we know, you know, mm -hmm. there isn't a textbook that will tell people how it feels to be trapped like that, Absolutely. there isn't a textbook that tells somebody um, how to put that right, you know, that it's alright, you know, that there isn't right and wrong things to say, that if you in your heart know that you're trying to do the best for somebody, that you can stand up in court and say, I did my best for this person. Yeah. And then you can prove that you're not discriminating against them. It's when you're afraid. Um, and really, people need to just embrace um, diversity because actually, even if you haven't got a disability, everybody's different, aren't they? And everybody has different strengths and weaknesses, whether you're disabled or you're not. Yeah. So, um, you know, when the Equality Act came out, it was really good because people realised that actually you're supposed to treat people as an equal but how can you do that without diversity because mm -hmm. um everybody is different so it's the diversity bit you need to embrace absolutely i completely agree there's nothing to include unless there's diversity in the first thing yes and i went on after that 
to work for um, Percy Headley Foundation. Okay. And I wrote, I wrote a personal independence program for them. And it was basically around, um, it was around a little bit of job carving because there was residents in there who had, um, who had not only physical disabilities, but also like learning disabilities. And um, I wanted to prove that people with learning difficulties can also get jobs and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I set up a, um, an events planning team and we did some um, events with um, Graham Danby, the famous opera singer from here. Okay. And, um, and it re really worked well. But how I got into dancing, back into dancing, should I say, is that um, they wanted to do a character dance thing. So I had to go and engage with Dance City, who were running this course. And they asked about my background. And a bit like you, my background was, was acting also. But obviously, it incorporated the dance. Mm -hmm. But people wanted to kind of keep me as an actress because the dancing was obviously far out of people's um, kind of reach at that time. Yeah. You know, they, did, they didn't really know how to teach it. Um, so when I engaged with Dan City, they were really excited about this, employed me for five events, which I got paid for. Brilliant. So that was, so that was a massive breakthrough. And then I did some equality work with them, which was amazing. Um, and obviously, um, I had to choose one or the other you know I had to choose whether I stayed at um, Percy Headley where it was safe or whether I came out and took a chance and did some dancing yeah and I decided to come out and do the dancing because it was the first time that somebody had opened their arms and said you know we really want to learn from you um and they really did make um, I mean they've still got a long way to go so so in the dance field so there's a lot of people but um the, the fact that they're making big strides like that is totally amazing. Um, I I actually got Creative Summer from them after I'd been in five events. And Creative Summer is where you create your own piece of work. Okay. So I so I did a piece of work called Message Not Quite Received. Right. And it was it was around equality and how I'd been treated, but it was put into a dance piece, which was quite clever, which is yeah. on my. YouTube channel and it kind of breaks down barriers for all walks of life because it tells you how people have trapped me and how I how I said well actually I, you know my brain because I've got cerebral palsy mm -hmm. my my body works faster than my brain can receive the messages that's why I called it message not quite received because whenever somebody tells me you can't do that I just think well I'm not listening to you because yeah. there's got to be a way and um, and I'm glad that I have that that attitude because somebody who's weaker than me probably couldn't deal with the things that I've had to deal with. Absolutely, and I think a lot you know a lot of people on the podcast have mentioned before about you know um, one of the um, benefits of having disabled people in the workplace is the fact that as disabled people we are problem solvers. But I think alongside that, as disabled people, because we face adversity and prejudice all of the time, we are really strong people. Um, yes. And we do just, you know, battle through and put our heads down. But as you say, not everybody has the same level of confidence and the same no. level of knowledge that actually they um, are entitled to achieve what they want to achieve. And I think that's what quite often stops people. 
it is what stops people. And, I, you know, when people say there aren't a lot of people in the workplace with disabilities, I kind of get that. Yeah. Because if, because if, you, were, if you didn't have a lot of con, um, confidence and you were constantly told you're not very good and you can't do that, you wouldn't want to go back because it makes you feel rubbish. Yeah. The only reason that I sort of ploughed on was because eventually um, I did achieve and I got promotion and things like that. And it actually, the people who gave me those things realised that actually it makes the workplace stronger to do that. And because it was a school for disabled people, because they employed disabled people also, more people wanted to come to the school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was a, because I was a role model to their children. Yeah, now that's absolutely brilliant, and it's kind of leading by example, isn't it? And that works. Yeah, it does absolutely. Um, you, so, you know, sometimes actions speak louder than words, and that's exactly what that shows people, isn't it? You know. I completely agree. I, I completely agree. Actions definitely speak louder than words, especially in the field of disability where most of our barriers are down to attitudes. Yes. I mean, people can say they don't discriminate, but you don't know that unless yeah. they prove it, do you? Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Yeah, completely agree. Okay, so you've given quite a few examples of the challenges that you face in the workplace. You've talked a lot about the discrimination that you've had to overcome. Um, are there any more challenges that you'd like to tell us about? Um, just kind of how it, it, it makes you feel happy once you've kind of achieved in the workplace. Yeah. But you've got to, you've got to work ten times as hard as somebody able-bodied to get there. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, you know, when people use the word inspiration, right now it's okay to use it, but actually the day we crack society, people will stop calling us an inspiration yeah. because everybody has talents. Yeah. You know, and you wouldn't walk up to a disabled, you wouldn't walk up to an able-bodied person and say you're an inspiration. The only reason that we're inspirations is because there aren't enough of us doing it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good way of looking at it. Yeah, nicely. Yes, yeah. and uh, the the day that somebody just sees that we're the same as everybody else and we do have talents and they stop using that word we will know that we've cracked society but until that point we've got to be seen as inspiration so that other people can know that they might be able to do the same yeah no yeah i never thought of it like that before but kind of in a role modely way more than an inspiring person for breathing yes yeah. yeah, brilliant, excellent. And I suppose, you know, that will be, you know, when people stop calling us inspirations, because I also hate the term inspiration when it's referring to disabled people. I mean, that will be the real um, pat on the back, won't it? Like, you know, we are equal now, that you don't have to see us as inspiring and brave. Absolutely. You know, I'd like to see more more disabled people in the media i know yeah. that and i know that people you know there is more people in the media now than there ever has been and that's great but they've still got a long long way to go mm -hmm. a long long way to go mm -hmm. because it they haven't tipped the balance where it's equal yet at all well, and you know you know something if they did it everybody else would follow because media is something that leads 
Yep, absolutely, absolutely. A lot of people, well, most of people's perceptions is down to what they see and hear in the media. So absolutely. So rather than seeing a disabled person thinking, oh, wow, there's a disabled person on TV, isn't that great? It's just another person on TV. You know, even if they did a program about educating people using job carving and things like that, mm -hmm. that would massively break down barriers that nobody else has been able to break because if there is only a couple of people talking about job carving and you've never heard the term very much, then then one or two people are never going to break it for people, are yep. they? Yep, no, very true, very true. Um, so what advice would you give to disabled employees or disabled people looking to get into employment? Um, I would just hope that they had thick skin and realised that actually if you and I can do it, then so can everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, would, I would actually hope that there is more people that will give people chances. And, I, you know, I do hope that people listen to this and think about job carving. I know that a lot of people, I got a lot of good feedback when I did a video on my YouTube channel about it and a lot of people, it made a lot of people sit up and think that they could actually do it in their company. And mm -hmm. that's what you want people to actually you know, think about and yeah. actually get on the back of, really, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, if that's the message that's going to be left, then that's job done, really, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, what advice would you give to, I mean, is it the similar advice with the job carving, the advice that you'd give to managers who are managing disabled people um, or recruiting people in the workplace to open their minds out to disabled people coming to work for their organisation? Yes, because disabled people actually contribute like something like eighty billion pounds a year to yeah. um to society. So if you actually employed a disabled person, more disabled people would flock to your business because you do that. You know, um because people who actually stay at home and don't can't face going into the workplace, they still go out shopping and things like that and they relate to disabled people because mm -hmm. actually if somebody sees somebody in a job role they actually look up to them and think actually if you can do it I'm going to come to the, yeah. the company I'm going to invest my, my money because they've invested in you does yeah. that make sense it makes absolute sense absolutely so again leading by example um, having disabled people in the roles where they're customer facing and on the phone and doing the strategy roles so that other disabled people can see what is possible and yes. also see the companies it's, that are inviting them in and being open-minded and inclusive about disability. And, and even if it's somebody with learning difficulties who's only got one skill, but it's a skill that nobody else has got, you yeah. employ them because actually that skill is important and it actually has a knock-on effect to who comes to your business. It does indeed, absolutely. Brilliant. So we're just going to um, talk a little bit about you as a consumer. So in the podcast, I always ask interviewees a little bit about themselves as consumers in the market, buying a product or a service. So as a disabled consumer, what would you say was your biggest barrier to buying a product or service? Um, just when people... Um when people make things difficult, when it's not accessible, you you wouldn't go in. You know, mm -hmm. like if 
if if it was in a shop, if it, you know, if there was clothes all over the floor, you wouldn't go and wheel all over them. You would yeah. just wouldn't be going in. Or if it was, you know, I've been outside the pubs and there's been steps and it, they've told you to actually ring a bell if you're just disabled. If people make it that difficult, you're not going to go in, are you? Absolutely. Um, you know, um, often still on trains now, I know that as for assist, you can ask for assistance and things, but I've had experiences where I've asked for assistance and assistance hasn't come, so that makes you fearful to go on again just mm-hmm. in case that happens again. Mm-hmm. No, completely, un- completely agree. So, I mean, you picked out three points. You picked out three things. I'm going to pick out one of the points that you mentioned. So you mentioned, and I can completely relate and empathize with that, um, when you maybe go up to a pub or a shop or a venue with a step and they say ring the bell. And quite often, not only is that not inviting at all, but the bell is out of reach. Um, I don't know if you find that as well. So you can't actually reach the bell in the first place to press it. But what would your advice to businesses be in that situation to make it a bit more inclusive? Uh, I I know that some buildings are like that because they're listed buildings and they can't do anything about it, but there must be something that they they can do. I would ask them to come to to somebody that advertises, like you and I, Mm -hmm. who could actually walk around the building and show them exactly what's to do and how easy to make it you know me and my boyfriend went um we, and luckily my boy, boyfriend's able-bodied but we went to um stay in a hotel overnight and actually I couldn't get into the bathroom okay. um, and it was a disabled room yeah and yeah. I and I couldn't, um, the bed was too high for me to get into. And we had to ring the staff and they had to come and help me lift. Uh, they had to come and help Graham lift me. They then got into trouble about it, but there was nothing that they could do because yeah. it was, and I actually talked to the engineers afterwards and actually tried to help them. And it was actually a massive um, chain, you know, it wasn't just a little, it, it was actually a reparable chain yeah. that you yeah. think, you know, they should be better at this. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, in this situation, I can hear people that don't know a lot about disability thinking, oh, well, that's a massive health and safety risk for our staff, which it totally is. But it's also a massive health and safety risk for you. But also on top of that, it kind of, it, it's not, it, it kind of devalues who you are as a person. Absolutely, um, it does, yeah. And, and I think the big mistake that people make is because, it's law now to say that you're disabled friendly. Everybody says they're disabled yeah, friendly, and yeah. what you've got to look for is that they say they're fully accessible. Because yeah. if they don't say they're fully accessible, they just mean that somebody who walks on a pair of crutches could get in, Absolutely. and that's not always suitable for somebody in a wheelchair or somebody who needs hoisting or you know that type of thing well absolutely i mean i don't know about you but when people say that they're accessible i always double check by asking a series of very specific questions um because i like you have turned up to venues or places where i've been promised accessibility and i can't do the things that you know actually is a basic need like brushing my teeth or something like that because i can't get in the bathroom and yes. so I think you're absolutely right that when businesses say they're accessible, it shouldn't just be something that they throw around. It should be something that they've really invested time and energy in thinking about. Just to go back to, um, you know, when I used to work at Percy Headley, um, a lot of 
their um, services were quite severely disabled mm-hmm. um, and often they used to use strategies like not drinking and things like that so that they could go out independently and I, yeah. I just used to think that's going to affect the health flow and that they've got to do that because places aren't accessible for them because a lot of them needed to be hoisted yeah. and how many how many disabled toilets do you go in that don't have a hoist yeah you know, it, it, it was- my apologies, carry on. How many disabled toilets do you go in that actually have just got a sign on the door? Because actually when you pull into them, you can't shut the door behind you. Yeah, yeah. You know, and a lot of people need to have two carers with them. Mm-hmm. So it's like how many, you know, and I only, you only realise that when you go and see somebody that's worse off than you. Mm-hmm. Um and that's like how many elephants can you get in a telephone box? It's yeah. horrendous for them, you know. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. And you've got and you've got to laugh because <laughs> y- you would cry, really, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, Ashley, I think you're absolutely right. And when I publish this podcast, I will also put alongside it an article that I found a, a few months ago stating the amount of changing places in relation to the amount of accessible loos. So changing places are places where people can be hoisted onto a bed and also to be supported um, via a hoist to be to be helped in the bathroom. Um, but yeah. There's very few of them, so meaning that disabled people that need that extra support can't go to the loo when they're out and about. That's absolutely right. And, you know, the people that I've worked with who can't do that, they actually learn not to drink and things yeah. like that, and that can have a knock-on effect to people's health, can't it? You know, absolutely, which which is terrible, which is absolutely terrible, which has more of an impact onto the health system and everything. So actually, it doesn't help the economy in the long run if they just want to think of it like that as well. Yes, I know. Even even down to you know. I know some people don't see it as a disability, but obesity is really high at the moment. Mm. And I've seen people who are really obese who've got a massive issue with food. They can't access disabled toilets because the the doors are too narrow and you just think that can't help them either. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We need to, the, the world needs to change to reflect the society that we live in. And it'll only be people like you and I who do that. But um, there aren't enough of us at the moment, you know, to make a big enough difference. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I created, um, I've always got jobs through, um, through, you know, I've been in a job and then somebody's headhunted me for something else. And something else and something else. So I've been very lucky like that. but when I actually chose to leave Percy Headley and go into the dance, and the dance sort of wasn't as um, permanent as Percy Headley, and then I had to find something else to do, I felt as though I still there's still an element of where you have to prove yourself massively. And because I had gone from like being headhunted because people could see how good I was, I felt the need to um, do two things: set up a YouTube channel, which um, engaged with people and they could see what I could do without actually asking the questions. Yeah. So they, if they saw it and were impressed, they contacted me, which worked. But secondly, the YouTube channel also educates the 
the world that we live in because yeah. everybody goes on the internet and everybody likes to be educated in that way. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And you saying that you get your jobs through headhunting and, and having to prove yourself as a disabled person goes a long way to explain why the majority of disabled people are self-employed. Um, because when people won't offer them an opportunity, you know, and we want to earn our own living, we think, well, actually, I'm just going to go and do it for myself. Noise. Yeah, exactly. And prove people from the outside in, which is the wrong way to do it. But, you know, yeah. it does create a, um, a whole bunch of advocates. And those are the, the people that we need as well. And the thing is, you use what God gave you. Yeah. And people need educating and you can educate them by actually... Nobody can write what you know, so why not use the skills that you've got, even if you can't get into the workplace, and it, it seems like a big thing to set up on your own, actually, set up on your own, and if you get one job, another job will come in eventually, that tends to be what happens, yeah. you know, you only have to be seen once by somebody, yeah. and impress one person, and then the t you know, it's it's like Chinese whispers Absolutely. tell somebody else about it and they want a bit of it. You know, that's what you need to do. Create a frenzy really. I completely I completely I completely agree. Um so so we're at the end of the podcast now. Is there anything else you would like people to know? I would just like people to know that I didn't actually get any funding. Um I I I'd written the way for funding to create this um to create this project called Message Not Quite Received, mm -hmm. um, which was um, working um, in hospitals and using um, using dance as a as a rehabilitation tool instead of just kind of you've got to do this stretch because it's good for you. Yeah. Kind of making it really fun for people. Brilliant. Uh, um, and I'd, I'd gone and talked to doctors. They were really impressed by it. I got through to the third round of every piece of funding that I did mm -hmm. and never got the funding. So what I'm trying to do now is build up my subscribers on the YouTube channel. And I know people don't normally use YouTube in this way, but what I actually want to do is build up my YouTube channel, build up my views so that I can make revenue from the YouTube channel to actually run the project and actually employ disabled people on the project so that they don't have to try and break down barriers. That, um, that sounds amazing. That sounds absolutely brilliant. So what we're going to do after this is I will post, if you give me the link, I will post the link alongside the blog so anybody that would like to have a look at the youtube channel and i really think that you should can go along and have a look and subscribe and support you that way i'm yeah, definitely going to subscribe as soon as we watch, as watch anything you're interested in yeah. if you subscribe if people subscribe they can actually ask me questions and actually tell me what they want what they want to know on the Brilliant. YouTube channel and I can post videos and help you that way and that way your business or whatever organization you're in gets a bit of free training also that sounds amazing that sounds really really good actually um thank you so much for your time today I've really thank appreciated you. it and I've really no, enjoyed thank talking you. to I you couldn't, I couldn't thank you enough for making contact and and uh, you know it's been a it's been a, a great pleasure to meet you and you too Ashley um speak to you again okay speak to you soon okay bye, -bye. bye.